there's one component that's always missing from those people who commit suicide. Again, whether you're successful or not, obviously, if you're successful, you know, uh, you're going to be in the news more, but it happens to everybody. And again, there's one key component that's missing uh, in anybody's life, whether they have it all or they don't have it all that they don't have. And that one key component, nobody really knows about or nobody really talks about um, because we just don't realize that that's really the problem. Uh, again, Chesley Chris, Anthony Bourdain, Kurt Cobain, uh, you know, Kate Spade, and you could go on and on and on and on. Any of those individuals, again, that one key component, and I kind of want to like preset the stage or kind of just build the stage around it. Because if I tell you, uh, we don't, we wouldn't understand it. And you'd go, well, it, is that it? If that makes sense. So if I can kind of like preset um, or create, say, a stage where we understand why this happens, and maybe I could even read you know, why Chesley Crisp would say commit suicide. Although she was, gosh, she was like that A type personality that just wanted to say compete and be the best possible version of herself. Why would somebody like that say want to commit suicide? Or for example, why would Anthony Bourdain, somebody who had had all, somebody who, you know, the people loved uh, and then felt so isolated that he couldn't connect with anybody to, uh, to end up in, uh, again, a suicidal, say, pattern. So why do those things happen, especially with successful individuals? A lot of times, the, the one reason why people are super successful, okay, is because they have a strong desire to identify who they are. Uh, they have a strong desire to find and connect to who they are. It's almost like they have, they are in two pieces. Right? especially at a young age, whether it's, uh, and I'm reading Chesley or Anthony. Uh, by the way, those who don't know me, I can analyze anybody. I can go into anybody's file uh, and, and read your, say, patterns or frequency signature and kind of pinpoint, not kind of, but pinpoint exactly, say, what goes on with you. And then uh, not only tell you your patterns that you're running, but then also help you edit those patterns so you can have a, you know, a fantastic life. So, so anyway, with, say, for example, Chesley Chris, right? Somebody... Somebody, and these are all key factors of, say, somebody that's a high-level executive, right? If you saw Chesley Chris, you'd go, gosh, I need that person on my team. Why, you know, I need that because they're going to get a lot done. So what are the key factors? So you know, again, Chesley, always a high achiever, always wanting to do their best, uh, always like going that extra mile from what I'm seeing, especially like when she was younger. So, so again, why would somebody like that lose themselves into an identity and finally commit suicide? Because at a young age, um, you know, there's a pattern in young, there's a pattern in people who tend to commit suicide in the future that somehow they're disconnected. And it could be say a family issue, uh, you know, whether abusive family or anything like that, or a very loving family, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. And, and I just want to point out that it doesn't really matter. And I say that because it's like, well, she had a loving family. Uh, everybody took care of her. No, that doesn't matter. The point is when they're young, somehow they get disassociated with their natural identity or their higher version of who they are. So they would feel disconnected or disassociated with themselves initially. So, and, and for her, for Chesley specifically, it started around the age two, uh, from what I'm seeing. And again, if, you know, family members, you know, you know, the parents and so on of Chesley, you'll, you'll, if you, if you listen to this podcast, you'll really go, 
oh my God, that's what the way she was, because that's the way she was. So even at two or three, you would see Chesley as, say, disconnected from the world, kind of like staring outside the world. Although she was here, she wouldn't, she wouldn't be, say, present uh, in time. And as she grew older, she'd kind of like disassociate herself with other kids, or even if she was with other kids, she would be in another world of her own if that makes sense to you. And then over time, that becomes more and more, say, obvious for her. It's like, gosh, you know, why can't I connect with my friends? Why can't I do this? Why can't I, you know, why can't I really feel anything? Because that's her main issue. And again, around 13, 14, 15, where you turn into, you know, a young woman, you know, and you're trying to connect with people, you're trying to get dates or whatever it is, you know, you're trying to impress the other side. And it's like, gosh, you know, why don't they see me? So although she's very, very beautiful, to herself, she would not be seen by others, or she would be overlooked. She figured out at a conscious level or logic level, hey, you know what, if I am seen, that means, or if I'm, say, observed by other people, that means that people can actually see me. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And that's why a lot of people like Anthony Bourdain, it's like, gosh, you know, uh, you know, I'll get on stage or, you know, millions of people are going to connect with me and then they're actually going to see me and I'm going to, uh, and I'm going to know who I am. But say, for example, back to Chesley, what'll happen is, or what happened is as she got older, she, again, very logical, very intelligent, again, always in her head. If I do X, Y will happen for me. So that assumption was not true. If I become popular, if I become prettier, I must be worthy. I must be beautiful, beautiful enough to have a great relationship. So her relationships basically feel empty to her. No matter who she would be with, feel empty. Her career would feel empty. So again, her logic dictates that, well, if I do the next thing, then I'll be seen. And then if I do the next thing, then I'll be seen. And if I do the next thing, then I'll be seen. But she gets to a point that it's like, how many things do I have to do to be seen. And then she gets to be 30. It's like, shit, I've done a lot. And I still, I'm actually, you know, I'm further away than where I was originally back in, you know, in my late teens or twenties, I'm a lot further. So why is that? And I'll, and I'll explain that in a bit. So overall, just to kind of review what, what they see again, Chesley, again, as a young girl, as a young, she starts to understand that she's disassociated with herself. Again, she feels like, and that's why she's always out of step. She might be the prettiest girl in town, but she'd always be out of step or people would not recognize her. And the reason why is she literally is disconnected or disassociated on where her physical form is rendered in this reality. They, they, they're seeing their life through a thick glass window. And I know people listening to this, people who are like suicidal or depressive, you'll know what I mean. It's like they see themselves interacting with people, but they can't feel the emotions. They can't feel the connections because they're seeing themselves here. Their body is here. It's not say combined. It's not say, uh, you know, it's not, it's not interlaced with each other. They're, they're time bound self, their identity of who they are. And then they're say timeless self. Um, again, the, their higher version of who they are sees that there's a massive disconnect. And so the more, say, love she experiences, 
the more success she experiences, the more disconnected or the thicker that window of being disconnected gets. And the reason for that, because is success, love, and so on are magnifiers. It magnifies, say, what you're not or your weaknesses. And again, that's not a bad thing, but if you don't know how to resolve it, it becomes, say, treacherous or almost, you know, uh, deadly for you. If you look at if you look at Chesley, she's probably lived three, four lives of most people. What she's accomplished would literally be about you know four people's lives or four lifetimes, so to speak. Does that make sense? You know how many degrees did she have? I mean, look at all the achievements that she did. So with each achievement, that layer, that lens that she sees life through gets thicker and thicker. So the more she achieves the thicker or further or disconnected that she'll get. So towards, you know, I want to say like 27, 28, she'll feel very disassociated. And, and again, uh, you might not believe me, but people around her, close family members go, wow, she just won so-and-so. She should be so enthralled. But she's like, she look at that, you know, award or that achievement. And it's like, she, she it's just like, it's worthless to her. And the reason why is like, oh my God, another achievement. And I feel even further away. We have to become more aware or we have to remove the filters on how we see things through people. It's not like their emotions because for Chesley and highly successful individuals, they control their emotions for the mood they want to be. Most people are dictated by their emotions, but again, highly successful individuals, they adapt their emotions to get what they want. That makes sense to you. Uh, and Chesley for another version is like, if she's trying to solve a problem, uh, she'll feel really calm and collected on the outside. On the inside, she goes inwards, unfortunately. And in a good way, again, she excludes herself from everybody else so she can go into her lab, so to speak. So what are the signs on that? They'll feel numb to you. They'll feel, say, disconnected from you. Uh, they'll feel like if you're looking at them in the eyes, uh, you know, you're looking at them in the eyes, and that's one of the key factors. They're not there, uh, and they'll they might answer perfectly. They might look at you. They might have all the say the great uh, you know facial features and all that. But look into their eyes. There's a sense of say deadness or a disconnect uh, in their not their tonality but just the essence of their words and the essence of their actions. They're literally like going through the emotions, especially towards the later years. Uh, Chesley went through the emotions and she did it so well. I mean, I could see it, but there was no say presence or there was no essence or, or there was no, her light was missing basically the last three years. So she was yelling for help for the last three years of her life and nobody knew it. Nobody saw it because she's, again, she's such a perfectionist or an achiever that nobody could see it unless you knew what to look for. And that's what about, that's what XI, exponential intelligence is about. Going into the underlying frequencies on what, what causes people to do what they do. And let's just bring it back to Chesley because, you know, just reading her and again, just helping her cross over properly, uh, by the way, um, so around 18, 17, 18, really say desperately screaming for help. And then what most parents do or what most people think about, whether it's the parent, you know, an outside environment or influence or an internal influence. It's like, well, 
I'm going to go get successful. And then it's like, honey, why don't you go get successful? Or why don't you focus in on this? And then it'll make you feel better because then you're going to be successful and then you'll be happy. But even Anthony Bourdain, his last few days, uh, you know, I watched Roadrunner, um, a documentary on him, and he was called up his friend a few days before. It's like, you know, you're successful. I'm successful. But are you happy? You know, and that and his words really, you know, stuck with me. But um, so she was yelling for that. And most people think if I do something, if I achieve something, I'm going to be of value. And then my life is going to be worthy of staying here. That's uh, I'm not a counselor or anything, but that's one of the worst things you can actually do or say to people okay, when they're feeling this way. And I'll tell you why. Or when people remind you, it's like, honey, you know what? You should have everything, but then, you know, you should be happy for, you know, what you have. Look, you know, you're, you've got a loving family. You've got this person that loves you. You've got all this potential. Again, those are the worst things that you can say to people. And here's why is because they feel like shit. They feel so disconnected. And then they're going to go, it's like, you're basically telling them, you know, you're an idiot because you have everything around you. You're beautiful. You have all this potential, but you're, you're too dumb to figure it out. And to Chesley, that's just like a huge slap in the face. It's like, you're right. It's like, I do have everything. I, I am better than most people. I have all this potential, but why do I still feel disconnected? Because it's not about having or having what not having or having it. It's not about that. It's about connecting yourself. Again, timeless self, time-bound self. I talk a lot about this in my lecture series, by the way, the XI lecture series, and even the podcast, uh, by the way, on your timeless self and your time-bound self. It's That's what they're looking for. If, if that is not connected or congruent, you'll never know you know, what success will feel like. And like I said, success is a magnifier. So the more successful you get, the more disconnected you'll feel. And the more, say, frustrated you feel, it's like, because I have everything, but why do I feel so disconnected? Why can't I figure this piece out? Because it's not a psychological issue. It's not a success issue. It's not a physical issue. It literally is how you render yourself in this reality, right? It's basically part of the matrix. It's you don't know where you were created in the matrix. Say you're a player on a video game, you're playing a video game, right? Uh, and you have your avatar, right? On the screen. Uh, and then, you know, you move the joystick or whatever, the controller, and then your, uh, you know, the person that you are, your avatar, you know, moves on the screen. Does that make sense? So consider that the person moving the joystick, okay, is your timeless self or your higher version. The person in the video game is you, your human experience here. So what happens is that with these, you know, people who tend to commit suicide, although they're successful, is that, is that what they'll do is that they'll, um, they'll start losing control. It's like they'll move the joystick to the left, but the player doesn't go anywhere. It's like, what the hell happened? You know, it's like, why isn't he going anywhere? You know, uh, and then they'll move it to the right. Uh, and it's like, whoa, they're going backwards. So everything gets misconstrued between, say, who you think or what you really want to do compared to what's happening to you in your life. And it's really disorienting. 
you get more frustrated because it's like you're going down, you're going to go down this cliff if you don't figure this out, so to speak. And then it's like, shit, the joystick's not working. I'm not connected to my body because that's what it's feels like over time. And then, you know, you start like, why the hell does this damn joystick doesn't work anymore? You know, I'm pushing this all around and it's not working. I'm getting successful and it's not working. And then you freaking basically break the joystick. You get so frustrated. And then it's like, oh, shit. Now it's like I'm on a free fall. And then they just... You know, and again, just like that scene, they just like jump off the cliff of space and time. And that's where they have to disconnect physically. So the more and more, say, disparate or the more and more disconnected you are from your identity of where you think you're creating yourself and this reality, the further you go away, okay, uh, the more depressed you'll get, the more anxious you'll get, the more disoriented you get, the more despondent you get, the more disconnected you'll get from the world. And then there comes a time, you know, where you pull enough further and away, just like a Bluetooth, you know, if you've ever had a Bluetooth speaker and the source, you go further and further away, it gets a little crackly, you know, it comes in and out, you know, you kind of get unstable and then you go further and out. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom. There's no more connection. And that's where you physically, literally, your body will have to do something to say, just disconnect from this earth. It's just straight out physics, guys. It's got nothing to do with emotions. So, so what you want to do is you what I call spatial referencing, okay? Again, you never want to tell them how good they have it because you're just slapping them in the face because it's like, yeah, I know it's really good. I know it's really fantastic, but why can't I feel that? Because that's what most of those successful individuals do. It's like everything's so fantastic. Why can't I say get the nourishment from it? Okay. Um, what you want to do, again, because it's a disconnect of, say, space and time or a disconnect of, say, the simulation that you're creating yourself in compared to where you think you're creating yourself in, okay? Uh, is to start to spatial reference. And spatial referencing is always about, for, for Chesley, for example, if somebody would, I know it sounds crazy, but uh, maybe the mother or somebody, you know, if, again, if you're listening to this, if you would have rubbed her right here while you were talking to her, it would literally calm her down because that's what she used to do or somebody used to do to her to bring her in to a reality. Uh, again, I could see her around three, four or five, she'd be daydreaming and then somebody, I don't know, is it her mother or somebody like an aunt or maybe she, they would just go, Chesley, are you here? Are you here, honey? And it would just feel good when she bubbles back into her body and it's like, oh wow, it feels so good. You know what I mean? Cause she would literally pull her body. Cause she's like back then is like, where's my body? Because sometimes we disconnect from our body and it's like, how do I get back in? Because they don't know how to get back in. So spatial referencing. So for people like that, some people might not like the touch because their body might have been in torture or been abused when they were younger. So when you touch their body, it sends them out of their body. So again, you want to be careful on how you use that. Uh, the other way is to acknowledge where they are. And again, these are super simple steps and they might sound so simple, but they're really powerful. You'd go, oh, you know what? You know, you know, Chesley, I, I see you 
um, you know, sitting in that chair, you know, with your, say, I don't know, legs on the floor. So it tells her she's sitting on the chair and the chair is in this reality. So it literally goes, that Chesley that's floating around, it's like, hey, your body is here and your legs are here. And it's like, oh, that's where I am. It literally like will pull her into her identity of where she is. And it's like, oh yeah, it is. Again, guys, it sounds so simple, but don't let the simplicity fool you. Some of the most, say, expansive ideas that have changed the world are very, very simple, okay? But very, very powerful. So spatial referencing is important. Uh, again, I'll give you another example. It's like, hey, you know what? Um, I see the windows there and you're sitting on the couch, okay? With your arms crossed. Again, it just pulls them back into their body because they have to reference the window, for example. They have to reference the couch to understand what you're saying. It's just like, you know what? Say, say like, don't think of the color yellow. What do you do? You force yourself to think of the color yellow. You're forcing, you're, you're forcing them, no matter where they are disconnected, or no matter how they want to get away from their body, you know, or no matter if they're daydreaming, when you say something like that, when people are daydreaming or disconnected, when you say things like that, of that, again, it's usually you want to do the object first and then a body part or how they're sitting or standing. So you always want to, again, reference the object first and then say a body part. The more, say, disassociated they are, uh, the more you want to be specific on a body part. And again, it might sound strange. It's like, hey, that window's over there, you know, and your left hand is on the couch. It sounds strange, but it messes them up because one, nobody ever says anything like that. It's just like weird to say something like that. So it might be uncomfortable for you to say that. Don't worry about you being uncomfortable or don't go, mom, what the hell are you saying? What is that? It doesn't matter because you already said it. They're already in their body and it's like, whoa. And it and you'll literally see a jolt back into them. It's a pattern interrupt. So, you know, for, for you to really understand yourself more and really do, say, leadership and success and happiness really right, uh, I encourage you to join our XI community. Exponentially, become exponentially intelligent because that's what it's about. You know, when you're exponentially intelligent, you're massively, say, successful. You're massively abundant in all aspects of your life. Um, you can go to the, you can go to Moss on Sundays, again, masajati.live, you know, and that explains literally uh, why life is the way it is and then what to do about it to become abundant. Uh, you can join the XI podcast. You can go to masajati.com uh, for some of the group programs that we do, like the 18-day hyper meditations that literally transform your life in a mere 18 days.